Well, if you would, turn with me to the book of Acts in chapter 9. We're going to, normally I'd ask you to stand, but we're going to stay seated because we're going to read quite a bit of this. Acts chapter 9, beginning in verse 1, it says, And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slander against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest, and desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if you found any of this way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined about him a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he trembled and astonished, said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. And the men which journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no man. And Saul arose from the earth, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no man. But they led him by the hand and brought, unto, and brought him unto Damascus. And he was three days without sight, and neither did he eat or drink. And there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him said the Lord in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Behold, I am here, Lord. And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the street, which is called Straight, and inquire into the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he prayeth. And hath seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him, that he might receive his sight. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard by many of this man how much evil he hath done to thy saints at Jerusalem. And here he hath authority from the chief priests to bind all that call on thy name. But the Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me, to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. And Ananias went his way and entered into the house. And putting his hands on him said, Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus, that appeared unto thee in the way as thou camest, hath sent me that thou mayest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. And immediately there fell from his eyes that it had been scales. And he received sight forthwith and arose and was baptized. And when he had received meat, he was strengthened. Then Saul certain days with the disciples which were at Damascus. And straightway he preached Christ in the synagogues, that he is the Son of God. But all that heard him were amazed and said, Is it not this he that destroyed them? which called on this name in Jerusalem and came hither for that intent that he might bring them bound unto the chief priests. But Saul increased the more in strength and confounded the Jews which dealt at Damascus, proving that this is very Christ. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this time that we can come together and study your word. I pray, Lord, that you would be with me this morning as I preach I pray, Father, each one of us would have open hearts to take in your word. Lord, show each one of us what you'd have us to, to apply to our lives today. And Lord, I pray that it would be meat for my own soul. And Lord, I just pray that you would continue to lead and guide in all that's said and done for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I titled the message this morning, A Walk Worth Taking. 
Many of us have taken walks in life. I was thinking just the other morning, you know, it's hunting season in Virginia. It's probably hunting season here. Do we have any hunters in the building? There's a couple, couple of deer men over here. Well, I was thinking when I was a teenager, I got permission to hunt on a new piece of property. It was a couple hundred acres that a farmer said, oh yeah, sure, you can come out and hunt. And I remember going out there and hunting and just the excitement level of having a new piece of property overwhelmed everything, including my intelligence. I got my tree stand out of the truck. I went up a tree. It was getting dark. I came down a tree, had no idea where my truck was. At 17 years old, I had no cell phone either. So I wondrously walked for hours in the woods just to find out I had gone the wrong direction and I was four miles from my truck. Sometimes in life we wander and walk in meaningless journeys. As you think about the life of Paul here, just to, just to add a little history, and this is, you, this is nothing new, we, we know these things. Paul, he was born in Tarsus. He was a Roman citizen. Paul, he was a Jew, a Pharisee. He was very smart. He had risen to the respected leadership as a rabbi who was destined for greatness. You could say that he was a product of three civilizations, the Greek, the Roman, and the Jewish. He had access to the high priest. He was also a persecutor of the church. He was a persecutor of the church who met Jesus Christ, right here in chapter 9. Think of this for a moment. It was a six to nine day trip from Damascus to Jerusalem, or from Jerusalem to Damascus. Now, I didn't wander in the woods for six days, praise the Lord, but sometimes in life we will wander for six to nine to 12 to 15, sometimes even more days where we don't look to God. A walk worth taking. I have six short points, and we'll get right through this. My first point this morning, you see Paul had an eye-opening walk. An eye-opening walk, or a saving walk. This conversion, this faith in Jesus Christ. You see, there's a wonderful story in the Bible that tells us about salvation. I pray this morning that everyone in this room has placed their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. This wonderful gift of salvation. We have redemption in Jesus Christ. We are redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. He is our propitiation. 1 John 2, 2 says, And He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Our substitute. You know, I remember in school, I was a troublemaker, by the way. I went to public school. And I remember that the greatest day is when we had a substitute teacher. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? You see, substitute teachers, and if there's any in here, please forgive me, they don't know what's going on. You can make all kind of trouble in the classroom. Unfortunately, that was me. But this is a substitute that covers the sins of the world. You see, Christ paid the penalty for my sins. 
Christ paid the penalty for your sins. Those folks that you're going to walk past tomorrow as you walk through this journey in life, Christ paid the sins, the cost for their sins as well. Has God put you in the path of someone? You know when you... There's many messages and sermons where you have, you know, the path of life where you can take the, the easy road or you can take the rough road. And no matter what road we go on, unless it's led by Christ, it's down a wrong path. God puts people in front of us. This eye-opening walk, have you taken that eye-opening walk? Have you placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ? The Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We're all sinners in need of a Savior. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. God commended His love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The basic gospel message that saves our life for an eternity. That we don't have to be separate from our Lord for all eternity. You know, I think a lot of times in life, as I was preparing this message, God really burdened my heart about the life of Paul. I love studying the life of Paul. Isn't it amazing who Paul was and God used? I think the Lord for my salvation today is a Gentile by how God used Paul. And I think of his life as he's, he's on this journey to Damascus with a mission in mind. How many times in life do we wake up and start our day with our own mission in mind? I know that I've done that. It's even hard in the ministry. I'll wake up and think, I'm on a mission. I'm going to go over to this end of camp and do my own thing. I love to help the maintenance guys build stuff because I, I think my dad just, as soon as I was born, put a hammer in my hand, and I enjoy building stuff. I enjoy getting involved. I enjoy the planning of it, and I enjoy seeing the finished product. I've been away all this week, and my maintenance team is refinishing cabins. And so I'm like itching to get back. There's some, I've got to hang a light fixture or something. But when we get on those missions, and we, we tend to walk through life with blinders on our eyes, where we're just narrowly focused on what we want to do, where we want to go. And God is over here saying, hey, hey. You see what happened here? God stopped Paul in his tracks. And I don't know about you, but as a born-again believer, knowing I'm called by God, I do not want God to stop me in my tracks. I want to fight the good fight. I want to stay the course. And by God's grace and God's mercy, I pray each day that I can do that. God has given us a wonderful opportunity to reach so many people. You see, our camp ministry wasn't developed just for young people. It was developed for all ages. You know, we can reach as many of those lost inner city kids as we want, but until we reach mom and dad back home, they're going right back home where they came from. And yes, they may get saved, but they're going to live a very difficult life. We want to reach mom and dad. We want to reach the family. An eye-opening walk. You know, the back of this book in Revelation 22, we get one last call for salvation. It says, And the Spirit and the Bride say, Come. 
and let him that is a thirst come. And whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. Can I encourage you this morning? If you're in this room and you haven't placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, I pray today would be the day you make that decision. It'll be the best decision you've ever made in your entire life. And you will leave out of these front doors a completely different person. Ready to be used by God. You see, this journey that we're going on this morning, these six points are all about a walk in our life, but we can't get past the first step if we don't start with the eye-opening walk, and that's the gift of salvation. Paul here had an eye-opening walk. Although Paul's eyes were closed for a season, his eyes were truly open. Paul knew he saw the Lord Jesus Christ, as he writes in 1 Corinthians 15, 8, and Last of all, he was seen of me also, as of one born out of due time. Paul had an eye-opening walk. My second point this morning found in verses 6 and 7, as we read, And he trembled and astonished, said, Lord, what will thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. My second point is a faithful walk. As believers, we must have a faithful walk. What do I mean by that? Willing to go and do what Christ asks. Can I challenge you as you begin to go into this revival missions? I love missions. I love being in missions conferences because it gives me an opportunity to speak to the families of those that God has called. Where they're going to go. How can we pray for them? How can we be involved in their ministry? And even more so now because we're always looking for a new place to go with edge to go. But these families have given their all to go and reach the lost with the gospel of Christ. I was thinking this morning as pastor was announcing there was a there was a goal of $6,000 I think now the goal got bumped to 12 just between Sunday school and church. Hey listen, let's not set a goal. Let's fill this room with the finances necessary to reach and help these missionaries. Pastor has a goal. Praise the Lord. But for us, what can we do as God's children? I've seen Christ, I've seen the Lord work time and time and time again at the camp. Let me share with you March 15th, 2020. That was the day that that bug hit America. The COVID bug. That was the day I got a call from our governor's office that said you need to close camp. Two weeks later, we thought this thing's dragging on. The gate at our entrance is closed. My wife and I are sitting at home on our couch and we're consistently praying, Lord, what are we going to do? We couldn't have ministry. All of our groups Camps, retreats, everything canceled in 2020. And we're like, what are we going to do? Surely God didn't bring us here to watch it all go away. Well, unfortunately, the mailbox is outside the gate. And so the bills kept coming in. And so we kept praying. And just a few weeks later, just about every day, there was gifts coming in the mail that covered all the monthly expenses every single month. Listen, God has all kind of money. 
Money is no object for the Lord. I say that if, if you're here this morning and you are saved and God has burdened your heart, you're not here by accident this morning. You got up early. Oh, and by the way, I told Pastor, I was so encouraged at 8 o'clock this morning at the number of men, household men, that were here for prayer at 8 o'clock this morning. Praise the Lord. Folks, it's time to take a faithful walk. You say, well, I'm going through a struggle. I'm going through a hard time. Listen, God is in control. I've seen God work time and time again. There, there was a decision here that needed to be made. The men here heard a voice but did not understand. Acts 22.9 says, And they that were with me saw indeed the light and were afraid, but they heard not the voice of him that spake to me. Meaning these men had heard a sound and they saw a light, but they did not see or hear the risen Christ. We must be faithful walkers as Paul was. Paul could not deny the Lord had asked his men to take him, alone, take him home. Paul was a faithful walker. He could have said, you know what? Something crazy just happened to me. Just take me back. But he didn't. And neither did these men. These men helped him to Damascus. A lot of things we listen to. Many of us are very faithful in our walk when it comes to being in service on Sunday morning. When it comes to being in service on Sunday night, maybe even Wednesday night. We're very faithful in our prayer life and reading our Bible at home. But sometimes we're not as faithful as we should be. James 1, as Pastor mentioned this morning, be ye doers of the word and not hearers only. We can all sit in here and hear God's word and leave with lunch on our mind. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is likened to a man beholding his natural face in the glass. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way, straightway forgetting what manner of man he was. We put so much faith in things every day. So much faith in things every day in this world. We find it difficult to put more faith in the things of God. We think of this walk in life. We've accepted Christ as our Savior. We take this faithful walk. And not only that, my third point, as you see in verse 8, it says, And Saul rose from the earth, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no man. But they led him by the hand. They led him by the hand. My third point I wrote down as I was thinking through this is a guided walk. A guided walk. Who is guiding your walk every day? Who do you depend on? You know this, you remember this phrase, sticking to friends closer than a brother? You know, I think about the mentors in my life, the encouragers, the faithful believers that God surrounds my life with. I'm so thankful for those that I can stick to, but nobody is more important than the Lord Jesus Christ. It wasn't always that way for Paul when you think of friends closer than a brother. He says in 2 Timothy, Demoth has forsaken me. Um, Tychicus, I said, uh, he sent to Ephesus. Alexander did much evil. Only Luke with me. Take Mark and bring him with thee, for he is profitable to me. 
We consider these things when we think of our mentors. Christ states he'll never leave us nor forsake us. We must keep our faith in Christ alone. I mentioned the paths in life earlier. Many of us have a focus that we tend to focus on each day. Even those of us in the ministry. I have plans every morning I wake up. I have plans to start the coffee pot. I have plans to read scripture. Sometimes the plans during this season get interrupted with uh, politicians, Fox News. We have these plans in life and these paths that we take. We must include the Lord in that path. There must be a guided walk by the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, if we don't allow Christ to lead us and guide us each day, then the alternative is we're being led and guided by the world. We're open doors and opportunities for Satan to creep right in. And that's going to lead down a very destructive path. If God says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you, just as he says, I love you, we should love him. Shouldn't we not leave or forsake him? A guided walk. Christ states he'll never leave us nor forsake us. What is guiding the steps in our life? Is it the things of this world? Is it the things of God? Or is it both? When we think of both, we think of that double-minded man. The Bible teaches us that a double-minded man is unstable in all ways. We need to be careful. Think of the time you went somewhere for the first time. And you consider this guided walk. I, when I was thinking of an illustration for this, I thought about the very first time. I've been traveling for probably 25 years in airports. But I remember the very first time I went into an airport. I was sent by my company to Florida. And they said, yeah, just here, I've already, I've already printed off your, your uh uh, confirmation, you just go to the airport and you go to the booth and you get, the, you get your ticket and you do all this stuff. This was many years ago. I didn't even know where to park, more or less get into the airport to find the desk to get a ticket. At that moment in my life, I was looking for a, a guide, a guidance. I asked many people, where do I go? How do I get my ticket? Where do I get through security? Does anybody else remember the first time you ever flew? Has anybody in here not ever flown before? There's a couple. Good luck. Take a friend. Because it's even worse today. But there are so many things in life. I remember as an 18-year-old young man, I was engaged to my future wife, and I was living at home, and my parents said, Son, we're moving back to Carolina. What do you want to do? I don't want to move back to Carolina. I had to go find an apartment in like three days. There are some things in life as you consider this, this walk in life that can become difficult. But God is with us all the way. If we keep our faith in the Lord. Fourth. Verses 10 through 17, we read about this gentleman named Ananias. 
Although he was fearful of Paul, he was obedient in Christ's commands. My fourth point is an obedient walk. As we live this faithful walk and we're guided by Jesus Christ, we need to live an obedient walk. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. Romans 8, 28. I remember when God burdened my heart to start a Christian camp. I didn't want anything to do with it, honestly. I thought I was better to just continue preaching and working with youth because it was a comfort zone. To go into something new was fearful. And I wasn't fearing the work. I love the work. I'd be bored out of my mind if I didn't work. It was the unknown that I feared. It was the what about this? What about, what about the, the nonprofit insurance? What about the, the finance version of nonprofit versus profit? All these things were going through my mind, and it just created a continuous fear within me. And for a number of, of days, I sat there and I was just thinking, there's no way I can be obedient in following this calling. I'm not ready to do something as big as that. But I remember the many nights praying and I remember the many nights where that burden just never left me. It's almost like you got to do this, you got to do this, you got to do this. You got to do this. And it wasn't easy because there was, there was others in my life who would re-encourage me that I couldn't do it. Believe it or not, some of my best golf buddies, we traveled to Myrtle Beach every year and played golf for, for weeks. He looked right at me and said, you're never going to start a camp. And I was thinking to myself, even then, that's so discouraging. But you're probably right. <laughs> but there's more than just Something big. We must live an obedient life daily. Daily. Do we want to be obedient in the big things? Well, yeah, all of us believers in the room would say, yes, I want to be obedient in everything big for the Lord. Then we need to be obedient in the small things. How faithful are we at reading our Bible in the morning? How faithful are we at praying? How faithful are we to share a Bible track with our waiter or waitress? How faithful are we to go spend time with our neighbor? Obedient walk. Ephesians 1, 3 and 4 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. It goes on in verse 7, whom we have redemption through his blood. Obedience. The mission on which Saul had come was already known at Damascus, and his arrival was expected with alarm. Folks, how we act and how we react in life shows whether we're obedient or not. Fourth, or fifth, I'm sorry, a determined walk. We see in Paul's life 
what happens. Ananias goes. He does what the Lord has asked him to do. It says in verse 17, And Ananias went his way and entered into the house. There was no question. He was obedient. So what happens to Paul? He immediately gets his sight. He gets a plate of steak and shrimp. He gets his energy. And straightway, he preached Christ. And straightway, he preached Christ. My fifth point is a determined walk. As you think of this revival missions and you think about your, your faithfulness to God, you think about your obedience to God, you think about who's guiding you in life, I want you to think about how determined we are in the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. How determined are we? Paul here straightway preached Christ. He had a heart for lost souls. He preached the deity of Christ. His hearers were amazed. He took the determined walk immediately. Folks, I believe this morning it's time for us to be determined in something for the Lord Jesus Christ. It's time to be determined to see the young people in these public schools today get the gospel in their hands. <clears throat> it's time to be determined to reach the communities surrounding uh, Covington, Covington, right? Georgia. Maybe even those in Covington, Georgia. It's time to be determined to reach the lost souls where these missionaries are being punished day after day. Folks, we need to be determined. You know, at some point, is this mine, brother? At some point, this world's going to come to an end. Our timeline of life as we know it today will have a finish line at coming to. If we look at our timeline, if the front of this stage is the timeline for my life, I grew up, <coughs> 12 years old, got saved. Guess what? Started over as a new creature. Somewhere over here is the end of my life. I don't know where it is. But at some point, I will meet Christ face to face. And I will give an account for the life that I lived here in this world. I would hate to think I've wasted so much of time not doing everything that God had intended for me to do. Because I was so wrapped up and so surrounded in the things of this world, the things that, that the, the God of this world, Satan himself, puts in front of us to distract us from the things that God has for us. I want to have a determined walk for the things of the Lord. What, that's what's going to matter at the end of my life. I will spend eternity in heaven with Jesus Christ. According to God's word, I've placed my faith and trust in Jesus Christ and I will spend eternity in heaven. So it doesn't matter what difficult things I face here in this world. A determined walk. Folks, it's time to be determined in something for the Lord. Also here, my last point and we'll finish it up. <clears throat> Verses 21 and 22, we see Paul had a steadfast walk. Verse 21, it says, But all that heard him were amazed and said, Is not this he that destroyed them, <clears throat> which called on this name in Jerusalem, and came hither for that intent, that he might bring them bound unto the chief priests? But Saul increased the more in strength, 
and confounded the Jews which dwelt at Damascus, proving that this is very Christ. <coughs> if you keep going there, it says, And after that many days were fulfilled, and the Jews took counsel to kill him. Many of us today have not been faced with that. Many of us today have not been faced with the fact that if you speak about Christ at work, your boss will kill you. Praise the Lord for that in the country we live in today. But folks, we need to be steadfast. When times get difficult, Paul kept going, proving that this is the very Christ. He didn't give up. He didn't quit. He increased in strength. As a matter of fact, he says in 2 Timothy chapter 4, <clears throat> verses 5 through 7, But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight, I have finished my course, I have kept the faith. Folks, we are to be the light of the world. Not hidden, but in plain sight. Very bright for the sake of the gospel. It's time for us to take some walks in life. It's time for us to take some walks in life. Walks that matter and walks that will make a difference. We see the result of this here in chapter 9, Paul's conversion. Ananias' obedience. Paul straightway preached. The results here in verse 31. Then had the churches rest throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria and were edified in walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Ghost were multiplied. You see the results. The conditions of the church after Saul was saved. They had rest. They were built up. They feared God. They enjoyed the Holy Spirit. They multiplied. The same God that changed Paul's life and changed the life throughout, just, just imagine the missionary journeys. Many of us are familiar with the journeys of Paul. The lives that were changed. The same God that we just looked at this morning is the same God that's still in control of the world we live in today. You want to see big things happen for God? Then let's get involved. Let's do something. Let's be faithful in our walk. Let's be obedient in our walk. Let's be determined in our walk. And let's be steadfast in our walk. Listen, we're going to face difficult times. There are many times at camp... <clears throat> that I'm facing difficult decisions. Things that I never would have thought no mentor shared with me, some of the things that I deal with. But God is teaching me through those things. Lessons that I need to learn. Folks, you are dealing with difficult decisions that maybe I've never dealt with. We always... Um, We always think about, you know, COVID's the big story. Well, honestly, uh, I'm tired of preaching on COVID. There's other difficult things in life that we face. A lot of difficult things. Hey, listen, how about our economy? I'm not getting into politics this morning, but money is a whole lot smaller than it was. 
I mean, when we have to raise food prices at the camp 40%, we got a problem. I am determined that our camp fees will not go up. My wife came to me and she said, so I noticed you printed the new camp brochures, but the price has not changed. That's right. We're going to let the Lord cover the additional expenses. Because I'm here to minister. Now, we can't go broke ministering, don't get me wrong. But there are some things in life that we have to continue to be faithful in. We have to be steadfast in some of the difficult times that we're facing. But in the end, God's in control. In the end, the only thing important is that I will see Christ face to face. In the end, God will judge if I was faithful. God will judge if I allowed Him to guide my life. God is going to judge if I was obedient. He's going to judge if I was determined. And He's going to judge just how steadfast I am. As a believer, that's what we know. As an unsaved person this morning in this room, that judgment's a little more difficult. There'll be a complete separation from the Lord Jesus Christ for all of eternity. I want to encourage you this morning, if you're not saved, would you consider making that decision today? Maybe you're in the room this morning and you think, or you, you say, Lord, I need to change the way I walk in life. As we all stand together and we'll ask brother to come play the piano. Would you stand with me? Heads, eyes bowed, or <clears throat> heads bowed, eyes closed.